welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Welcome, everyone, to this latest episode of the Two World Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob, and I'm joined today by... I am Barney. And we'll be discussing something that is very unique and interesting for both of us, and that is the topic of weddings. We all um, have our own experiences with weddings, and the metaphor for our podcast, the idea of two worlds coming together, is a metaphor that can easily be applied to weddings as well as two spouses come together and bring their family cultures and views of the world and try to discern and discover together what their identity is as a couple. And so today we'll be talking about our own experiences with that journey, what our weddings were like, what weddings might be like in Japan in comparison to the United States, and some other additional questions. So just to get started, I'll turn it to Barney and ask, Barney, can you tell us a little bit about your own wedding and what that was like, the different parts of it, and kind of set up for us your journey? Yeah, yeah, I'd be honored to. Um, I actually um, have been married twice Um, (laughs) to the same person. (laughs) <laughs> so um the fr- it really was a, a marriage of convenience the first time um my visa was coming due and um i thought well now is the chance to switch it over to a spouse spousal visa and um so we had to um go to the embassy in um, the american embassy to sign an affidavit saying i promise you i have not been married or I am not currently married to another person. <laughs> and then they stamped that. And uh, we, um, marriage in Japan is so interesting because you just go to city hall and you get a piece of paper and then you take it home or however you want to do it. And um, two witnesses have to sign, but they don't have to be there. Um, yeah. They just have to sign and put their stamp, their seal on um, the form. And then you go back to City Hall and turn in the form. And then they process the request. And maybe you pay like $3 and ta-da, you're married. (laughs) Um, And in Japan then, or in Narita, uh, they give you, City Hall gives you a gift. You know, you can have, um, I think it was um, a, a plum blossom tree. Or, um, let's see, maybe an album, a photo album, um, or a nice set of rice bowls. So, um, Ayak, at that time we were, uh, in an apartment and, um, Ayako's, uh, home has plenty of plum blossom trees already. So we, we went for the rice bowls. Um, so it was just so interesting that, that you can get married so easily, um, and that the witnesses don't even have to be there. Um, but yeah, then we had been, um, planning kind of a, a real ceremony, um, uh, later, later that same year. 
And just by chance, um, I think I had, I had a friend who was in Portland and, um, I had been to Portland shortly after the, the really big earthquake we had in 2011. And, um, I went to the big rose garden there and there was this Shakespeare garden. And, um, I went back and said to my friend and I said, what an amazing place that would be to get married. I just think, I just, wouldn't it be so neat if someone could get married there? And she's like, yeah, you know, they can get married there. It's um, a public park. And like the first um, business day of the new year, people um, line up and um, try to get, um, you know, make a reservation. And, and she and her sister were willing to do that for us. They started lining up from like five in the morning and um, you know, the TV news was there and everything. And, um, yeah, they, they got our reservation um, in July. And the nice thing about Portland is it's a direct flight from Japan. And uh, so, yeah, so some of Ayako's, a lot of Ayako's kind of extended family could come. And of course, my family could join us there. And um, I really wanted it to be a real meaningful um, service. And so I, I kind of was very prayerful about it. And and a lot of really, I thought really good, um, a lot of good, strong inspiration came to me. And um, of, uh, I mentioned before that we used um, Psalm 139, part of it, in our, our um, ceremony, thinking that, you know, what are the chances that these two people could be brought together and, and only by God's grace would that be possible. And um, uh, Kimiaki Sensei was very kind. He wrote up a kind of a little... Um, of Christian point of view. He used the um, scripture from Matthew about, um, you know, when they were asking uh, Jesus about marriage. And um, yeah, it was so nice to have that in the kind of program so that Ayako's um, family could follow along. And um, one hymn that we used in our wedding that maybe doesn't make it into most Western weddings was um, what a friend we have in Jesus. Mm, that's um, a good one. Yeah, it really is. But some somehow, some some time along the way, um, it was associated with weddings in Japan. So almost any wedding that um, you go to that is held, takes place in a church, they'll sing, um, "What a friend we have in Jesus." And um, that's so interesting uh, of yeah. all the songs. That's I amazing. I know. And um, yeah, and my friend in Portland, she's a great singer. Her friend is a great singer. Uh, my brother Craig is a great singer. And then um, my uncle's sister, um, we arranged the four parts and they sang that in um, Japanese and for everyone during the, the hymn, during wow. the service. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. The significance mm -hmm. of those voices specifically mm -hmm. being combined mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Was it hard yeah. for the um, parts, the participants who were the English speakers to learn the mm -hmm. Japanese part? Was that challenging or, or not too bad? Um, yeah, my <laughs> Craig, Craig, Craig did say to me, he said, you know, kind of like, Barney, you know, <laughs> like, I'll do my best, but I can't promise anything. Um, but I had done, I had given them recordings of, you know, speaking it slowly and kind of this is how it could sound. 
Um, and, and they just knocked it out of the park. They just did a great job. And um, Do you happen to have yeah. a recording of that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. wow. I if you ever have a moment I would mm-hmm. to if I don't yeah. know if you have it digitized and what um we do. If, okay, mm-hmm. I would love to mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um yeah, I and I found I found um a Mennonite pastor who who was very willing to come and uh, do the service for us. And um yeah, it was just so great and um, at the end, you know, there isn't kind of a, rece- a re- receiving line um, idea in Japan either. And so we did kind of a reverse receiving line where um, we had, we just found someone who was, um, had as a hobby, made, makes beeswax candles and prepared a bunch of candles and gave them to each guest. And Ayako and I lit our candles first and then... Um, lit everyone else's candle, um, you know, and said wow. something about each person. And that's then, amazing. What a, yeah. what a meaningful s- a symbol of, of care. You're lighting their mm-hmm. candle and you're saying mm-hmm. words of affirmation. That's yeah. Yeah. Kind of, nice. we thought it was a way to bring the families together that way. Kind of, you know, this is uniting the two families too. And then we sang, um, uh, here in, here in this place, um, at the very end for our closing, even though, um, I said, you know, it's typically a gathering song. Um, but there's the line that says, uh, talking about gathering us together, you know, as a family. And, um, and I said that, you know, before this service, we, we were two separate families and now we're gathering together, um, as one family. And, um, yeah, it was, I was so glad that we could have that kind of service and, and have that kind of, um, what I thought was real depth of meaning to it more um, in addition to, you know, going to city hall in that way. Yes, absolutely. That what I like about that too, is how you work so hard to make it meaningful for both families and have connectors. And, uh, that was really intentional and thoughtful of, mm-hmm. of you both. And it's gave everybody an opportunity to celebrate, with you in a different way, like the city hall version, they could celebrate, I'm sure afterwards, but mm-hmm, this right. one, um, having this drew them in more, um, directly with, so that's very meaningful. Yeah. Would you say that, um, you, is it common or do you know, have other, do you have other friends who have followed a similar pattern where they got married at city hall and then had a ceremony later? Um, I haven't, um, I guess maybe, um, kind of the typical way is that people do that at city hall and then, um, have some kind of, yeah, have some kind of ceremony, um, here in Japan. And, um, it's either, um, I actually, I think maybe you aren't really married unless you have submitted the form at city hall, I think. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yes. I know, um, just from officiating at weddings uh, as mm-hmm. a pastor that there is a, a form that you sign mm-hmm. after the ceremony's done and you submit that to mm-hmm. the city hall here as a mm-hmm. record that then officially is logged in. Um, it's done in that way. But um, yeah, I, I do have some 
friends who have, I feel like I, there's a, it's, I'm blanking right now on specifics, mm-hmm. but I feel like I have had another friend who's had a, um, a similar experience where they were married in city hall and then later had, um, a ceremony. And, um, I'm, it's nice to be able to have that other yeah. part for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as you were talking about, um, including family members and in the actual symbolism of the ceremony, it reminded me of some elements of my story. Um, uh, We actually were married in Katie's home church in Defiance, Ohio, that she had grown up in, St. Paul's United Methodist. And one of the things we really wanted to do was include um, ministers that had had an impact on our lives, as well Mm -hmm. as friends in the actual service itself um, and our families. And so Katie's mom and my mom um, went forward at the very beginning and lit a unity candle, which is one of those symbols of, you know, two coming together as one. And then both of our dads read scripture during the service, which was nice. Um, The pastor from my church, the Wheeling Vineyard Church came and helped in the ceremony at different times as well as a pastor that Katie really appreciated uh, from her Methodist congregation and they worked really well together uh, they both are very tall and they, they balance each other well as, as they were standing up front and um, one of the most meaningful things is there was somebody from my home congregation who was um, a friend of our families and a really good singer And we introduced him to a musician that we met in college, and they both um, joined in the song. She played piano, and he sang, and it's called Father of Lights. And it's a song that I had been used to singing as I grew up in the Vineyard Church. And it's based off of this passage from, I believe it's Hebrews, um, Father of Lights, You Never Change, You Have No Turning every good and perfect gift comes from you. And the way that they did that song, it just, it was a coming together of, of our experiences. This friend we met from college, this uh, person I knew from my home congregation, and it was being sung in Katie's church. And um, it was very meaningful. Uh, We had a celebration of communion in the, in the, ceremony and that was meaningful another symbol of of unity coming together and um as i look back on it i was uh, 22 just about 23 and katie was 22 and i didn't realize the richness of um people taking time to come and attend and if i look back at pictures to see all the people who came and as you grow older and you go to weddings yourself or you start raising children, you realize like it, it takes effort. It takes, you know, intentionality to make a trip and to show up and to be there. And, um, I just feel very grateful for, um, all the effort that people made to come. Um, and you, you probably felt that way too for yours, (laughs) just to have the people travel. And, um, so, Weddings definitely are time, I think, for family to reconnect and friends to reconnect. And so, and, and in many cases to meet, uh, uh, the new family. (laughs) So, um, were there quite a few of those, um, initial contacts happening at your wedding in Oregon? Yeah, really, 
Yeah. Um, so there were, there were people, I think my parents had met most of the people before, but for sure my, um, my siblings had only ever met Ayako before at that time. And, um, my aunt and uncle came and, um, yeah, the, the one fantastic memory I have was during the reception, which was um, also at the Rose Garden, just, you know, away, away from where we had the ceremony. And, um, you know, Ayako's small little, um, first cousin is, is talking with my nieces and nieces and nephews. And, um, and then, you know, they're, they're kind of dancing together to the music that we had there. And yeah, it was so neat that, you know, right. They couldn't understand one another so well, but, um, they, they found some way to still interact together. And, and again, like you say, I, I didn't think about it, um, about the, the effort that it really takes for everyone to be there. And, um, but then also like the willingness that everyone has to like, that they want to be a part of this event. The, um, the pastor who gave the message for our ceremony, he said how of, of like all the life events, this is the one that's purely, purely about love. And, um, you can really see that just the way that people are so willing, like you say, to, to, to be there, to share in, in commemorating this new love, um, officially. And, um, I think in your case too, right. You know, that a lot of people had to drive and, and find places to, to stay, to get there for your wedding too. Um, and I, I had never heard or thought of the idea of having communion during the service. Is that um, typical in kind of the United Methodist tradition, or was that something special you guys had prepared? That was something special. And it's interesting that we made that uh, decision because in my home congregation, I think we probably had communion maybe six times a year. Um, and uh, in Katie's um, tradition, I think it was probably more frequent than that. It was probably like once a month. But um, I know in certain more uh, sacramental and liturgical churches, like um, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, um, Anglican, um, it would be common to have um, communion as part of the marriage ceremony. But um, it wasn't a part of our traditions. I think for me, for some reason, I don't know why this was so prominent in my mind, but um, my pastor from my home congregation his name was john raz every time he did communion the way he said the words of institution um where, where jesus presents the bread and the cup it always impacted me and that was always so meaningful to me and so i told that to katie and i said you know i um i really appreciate the the um meaning behind a, a unity a deep unity in, in sharing this meal together and um my pastor from my home congregation always does such a good job with that. I, is that something we could include? And she liked the symbolism too. So it was, it was special that that worked out. And I, I think too, um, there was a lot of, of singing and a big emphasis on music and some weddings have fewer songs and some more. Ours had a lot of music even before the ceremony began. And um, I think it reflected our particular 
personalities. We each liked um, a lot of Christian music, um, hymns and traditional music. We wanted to have that shared as part of the experience. Um, But in hindsight, it made the service quite long. And as I said before, these things you learn about raising children. Um, One of my friends from seminary, David Sloan, his, his son was really good. But I think about two-thirds of the way in, they had to go in and out because, and it wasn't disruptive. I just felt badly for him, you know, because you have a little a little guy and he just, you can only take so much, you know. So if you have 20 minutes of music at the beginning before you even get started, you know, it's like I've just burnt through half of his attention span right there. <laughs> so, oh, and another thing that happened that was kind of um, a surprise is Katie's brother was a, a teenager at the time and he mm-hmm. was up front uh, among the best men, you know, standing there. And he had never worn a tuxedo before. And evidently the constrictive, you know, cut of his shirt and how it was tied, the the, the little tie um, was a little bit um, stifling to him and he got dizzy. And so partway through the service, he had to excuse himself and go out and to kind of like, you know, get some breath and fresh air. And, uh, and so Katie's mom left, you know, and at the time I didn't quite, I just, none of it, like, we didn't know what was going on. And then afterwards, we're like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, just like things, some little quirky, uh, unexpected things happen, but that's part of the journey too, in, okay. in the experience. Um, so um, one of the things too, I think, um, is the interesting dynamic. You want to be present, mm-hmm. but um, there are so many interactions and conversations before and after the service. And we did have a receiving line and then we went f- um, afterward to a reception at Katie's home and where there was music and food and, but you have so many conversations by the end of the day, it's, um, it's wonderful, but it's also like you get to a point where it's, you're in like a social mode, you know, and you're focused on just, you know, talk, and then mm-hmm. you have to like take a breath and actually think, um, think back on the experience and take it in a little bit more because you were so engaged in talking, you kind of miss some of what's going on. And um, there was a really big rain um, after the reception was done. And we had left at this point, but Katie's mom and dad and their neighbors sat under this tent that they had set up and talked while it rained. And they just talked about the day and we heard about that. And and it's like those moments where you can slow down a bit and look back and consider. And I'm, glad that um, those moments pop up because we need them because sometimes it's when you're particularly when you're involved directly in the ceremony it's like um, a a frenzied um, uh, intense experience and then afterwards you're like oh I need to look back and kind of we need those experiences and times to stop and and look back and so uh, fortunately we were able to take a honeymoon and have some time to reflect and spend time just the two of us and talk a lot about the wedding and that was nice. So, um, I'm wondering, I remember in your other podcast with Sean, you talked a little mm-hmm. bit about, um, travel. And I think mm-hmm. I remember you saying you guys maybe did a little trip, but you didn't do like a necessarily a full scale, like honeymoon. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we had to switch gears, um, very quickly, um, because, you know, Ayako's family was in town and of course they wanted to see the area. Um, I think maybe, I think it was the very next day then, then we took the train up to Seattle and then we were into tour guide mode and having planned, you know, where to go and 
they wanted to have, <laughs> they already wanted to have Japanese food. So, but um, Seattle was the place to be for that. So we had that and it was very nice. And yeah, we had hoped to have some kind of um, official honeymoon with just she and I. Um, but, um, but she started a new job soon after we got married too. And then it just, uh, it never worked out. Um, but, but yeah, our trip to, um, around Portland and then into Seattle and, um, we went to Mount Rainier and then, um, came back with, um, my family, my parents were still there, uh, in, in Portland. And then we went to, um, a place I'd always wanted to go my whole life, um, Crater Lake. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But um, they had been having forest fires in oh. California. So it was very, very smoky. Oh. And um, yeah, you couldn't see so much, but we still hiked around and, and had a good time. Um, you know, isn't that interesting? Um, and I'm not um, in, in the sense of like, that they, they had endured these fires. That's a terrible uh, thing. But mm-hmm. but just in the sense of how sometimes you plan a trip and you're surprised by some of the circumstances connected with it. Like and you try to navigate that and make the best of it uh, because you still you still did it. You hiked, um, but it was a different experience than in normal times. And um, mm-hmm. I feel like that is a little bit of a foretaste after. Uh, the wedding um, into life together uh, and marriage at, at large, because there are a lot of times where you have plans or anticipate things and then you go and it's different or there are, there are challenges or curveballs that you weren't expecting. Uh, on our honeymoon, we had several <laughs> funny things that happened and talking about two worlds coming together. I wanted to share with Katie the place that I had vacation growing up. And so we went to Rhode Island and I had always seen, we would go to this beach in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, and I always saw this ocean house um, from a distance and knew that you could stay there. I think it was called the beach house or the ocean house. And uh, we never did as a family, but we would walk by it. And I thought, oh, how interesting. Oh, someday it would be neat to stay there. And so then I thought, this is the place for our honeymoon. We will stay there a few nights. And so I booked it. And um, when Katie and I got there, it was, it was very different than I had anticipated. I'd never been inside. I'd only seen it from the outside, but it was a really old structure and it it had been glorious in former times, but now was kind of, um, maybe the word would be considered to be rustic (laughs) or or (laughs) simple. Um, the, the person who was helping us carry in our bags gave us a disclaimer about not going into the upper floors because they didn't pass fire code. (laughs) (laughs) And um, you, you walk into the main lobby and straight ahead, there's this really nice dining area that overlooks the ocean, which is beautiful. But then you get up into your room and it um, was a little rustic. I'll say that. But anyway, um, we went on this. um, And so that's an example of something that you weren't Mm. anticipating that was a surprise. And, Another thing was we went to Newport, Rhode Island, and they have a cliff walk that you can do. And uh, we really enjoyed that, but we didn't bring any water with us for some reason. It was just one of those things that um, we overlooked. And so about halfway through, we got really thirsty. And at that point, there was no quick exit. We had to like finish our route to get, 
so we ended up like walking like six miles and like for the majority of the time we were really parched and we get back and we're just <laughs> running to get water <laughs> so it's like um and it's those things but i think one of the beautiful things too is if you can find um a chance to laugh or mm. make light um and it can become a story and not just something that was um you know difficult but can be something you laugh about and that's part of the i guess the joy of trying to be resilient and um finding that in marriage um working through hard things but there were several things like that um that we encountered but then also lots of of good good times as well so yeah um well to switch gears a little bit um Mm -hmm. i just kind of wanted to ask about um when you were thinking about your wedding were there some things that you said to each other that you um, wrote or did you um, use some pre-existing vows or i wondered about that is that something you remember you um you stole my question Oh, oh, <laughs> I was going to ask you the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we, we really went, um, off script and, um, wrote our own vows, our own vows. And, um, we, boy, we didn't get much sleep the night before. Um, we were writing, we, I think both of us had an idea. We told each other, you know, think about what you want to say. And we had an idea and then we had to, to, you know, write them and write them in English and Japanese. And, um, you know, so we wrote them on these note cards and then we kind of decorated the note cards. And um, this makes me think of another story, too, that I'll share in a little bit. Um, yeah, and we, we really did that. And um, the everyone listening really appreciated it. And um, I think it's because in Japanese services, sometimes they they write their own vows. Um, you know, I went to a wedding and, and the wife said, you know, I promise to make you a tasty lunch every day. And, you know, the husband said, you know, I promise to clean up, you know, when I'm done using the shower, you know, something like that. And, um, you know, it's kind of not so deep, but, you know, kind of having fun, you know, breathing, bringing some levity and trying to, trying to, to piece together what their image of like the Western wedding is and um um, going to the story that i was reminded of um as we had been working on getting ready for the wedding and and um you know doing the place cards and writing our vows um the friend we were staying with her uh, son had this book from uh his grandma and it's like kind of the book that you can um, record your voice in and so we heard so many times love you forever i'll like you for always you know um as long as i'm living you know my your, my baby you'll be and we had heard it over and over and over and we we said to each other let's sing that song at our wedding so after we did after we uh, did our vows then we kind of looked at each other kind of knowingly and like winked to each other held hands and sang the song and just everyone was just blown away by this <laughs> kind of pure moment that that we put in there and um yeah those one of those things you know that you think shall we do it and then you know because it seems like it's kind of goofy but then you do it and it's that's so wonderful i love that you i love that you sang to each other what a great idea Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I've not seen that very often. Um, and I, I love it. I, uh, there's one other wedding I can think of where I saw, uh, the bride singing to the groom. Uh, that was John and Julie Longacre's wedding. Uh, oh, Ju- no. Julie sang a song to John. Um, but I love that. That's, that's, mm. that's really meaningful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. How about in, in, in your case? With, yes, um, yes. We we um, looked at some examples of vows, but then we did write our own and incorporated some of the elements of other ones. So I wanted to just share a little bit from ours. A few years ago, I s- listened to the wedding ceremony again, and I wrote it down, and I emailed it to Katie. And um, it's funny, I'm a very sappy, sentimental person. <laughs> and so I was, you know feeling sappy and sentimental and I sent these off and I didn't get like a, like a very big response, you know, like, you know, maybe a short email, like, Oh yeah, that's nice. Thanks. And, um, and I was a little bit like, Oh, my my feelings were like, why is it more sad? And then some of Katie's coworkers were like, he was trying to be, you know, emotional and, um, you know, connect with you. (laughs) So she, she took the vows and she went to this local place, P. Graham Dunn, and had them oh, yeah. create a wooden plaque with our vows oh, on them, which mm. um, then she gave to me. And now I have it in my office. Oh. So that was very sweet and nice of yeah. her. So, uh, But that's yet another example of two worlds coming together when one one spouse is a little bit more sentimental. Uh, but but she very much appreciates her vows. It's just kind of a funny story. And her giving me that gift was really nice. So all that to say, I just read a little bit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like um, the idea of, um, of the language of sharing and of, be, of openness. And so we say um, from this time onward, and we both said this in each of our vows to each other, um, mm-hmm. I will enjoy with you and share with you all that is to come to give and to receive to inspire and to be inspired and in all of our life together to be loyal to you with my whole being and um i liked the idea of um saying that we want to try to be open to what's coming ahead even though we don't know what it is and to try to be generous mm-hmm. and there are parts of our vows then that go on that try to connect um more how with our faith and how we rely on God. The very next line is all this according to God's grace. Mm-hmm. And um, I do believe that there are many times in our marriage where our faith um, in God and in Jesus has really um, been a foundation and helped us uh, for sure. And mm-hmm. but the language of sharing um, and of, of of giving of oneself of mutuality is really rich and meaningful and. I've had the opportunity to work with several couples in their wedding ceremonies as a pastor. And when they're working on their vows, I present to them some examples. We have in the Mennonite church, a minister's manual that has certain um, resources to draw from for special occasions. And in the wedding ceremony, the, the line that gets me every time when, if couples choose to use it, that's fine either way, but I just love it. I love hearing it in a wedding is, um, with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. And I just love the idea of, um, of honoring, um, Mm. honoring someone with what you have. It's not saying it's perfect. It's not making, um, 
I guess it is a pretty comprehensive statement. With, but what I mean to say is it there's also a, a simplicity to it. It doesn't feel too wordy. It feels uh, real to me. And um, so, uh, anyway, um, those are some of, some of the the images and the words that jumped out to me from our vows, and then also being able to be involved with others. Uh, I will say, when I'm working with couples. Um, there's a certain moment in the service that I really look forward to. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the vows. Like mm-hmm. I just mentioned hearing those words as they, they commit to one another, but it's also after that, when I get to make a proclamation mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting, the wording that is used for that um, by the power vested in me by the mm-hmm. Mennonite church in the state of Ohio, I declare that you are husband and wife in the name of the mm-hmm. father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. And it's interesting to think about, um, like, a, a marriage is a covenant between two people directly, but then as a witness, I'm there to, um, say, I affirm, I agree. I give testimony that this has happened. And, um, it's interesting. No other time in my ministry would I ever say by the power vested in me, both by the Mennonite church and the state of Ohio. Normally mm-hmm. th- those are two realms, um, that are, are kept apart, but in this unique moment, I bear witness and I'm the one who sends off the form and that's the state part that goes to the, you know, local <laughs> government office where they file and, and I, you know, you have to be registered with the state to officiate at weddings. So, so that's this interesting, um, moment. And, and that's not the part that's the most meaningful to me. It's the, it's the fact that you're not the, it's just a unique moment, the, the state church part, but the best part of it is presenting to the family and the friends, uh, the couple for the first time, you know, in that moment of just saying, cause you can almost say when you say those words, there's an excitement from them and there's an excitement from their friends and family, people cheer. And it's just this, um, yeah, that's energetic and celebratory moment. So that's really special. Yeah, that's a wonderful way to put it, isn't it? It really is. There, this kind of palpable excitement that everyone has. You know, it's so interesting because, and a lot of the time, you know, the families have known each other and they've known the bride and they've known the groom on both sides. And, you know, they know that they're committed to each other and that they want to take this next step. But then there's something that happens in that moment right? Like this declaration that everyone knows is inevitable, but here it comes and everyone is just filled with this, this joy that comes from that. It feels like there are a lot of moments like that in church life and probably life at large, where there's a reality of something that gets focused into a a moment, a symbolic moment. And, and the reality is lived out of that relationship daily, you know, in the, Mm -hmm. in the basic, um, things, but in that moment it gets concentrated into this, um, this special outward symbol. And I I think of, um, baptism as another Mm -hmm. example where a person has faith in Jesus and their life incorporates that daily, but then they come to this moment of decision where they tell the community and they do this, they go through this outward, action and it it becomes a focus point for that deeper reality you know what i'm saying and um mm-hmm. the same is is probably true for um other um ceremonies um celebrations they, they become times to to really lift up 
a, a deeper, bigger reality, but focus it into a practice and um, a special moment. So, yeah. Barney, this has uh, been really rich, and I'm hoping that um, in our future episodes, we can talk a little bit more about how you and Ayako have grown and navigated the coming together of your um, two family cultures into one as you have formed your own family and um, discovered who you are as a couple. And it would be really interesting also to hear some of the intercultural dimensions of that journey. And so that's something to look forward to. And maybe I'll just uh, turn it over to you um, to close this out. Yeah, um, it has been just really delightful and uh, to see how this today's conversation has gone in this in this podcast today. Um, really seeing the way that, that the two worlds come together in a number of different um, aspects and a number of different um, points of view. And that it's this one ceremony, this wedding ceremony, this joining of two people um, in, in love that is a way that we can see um, definitely um, God at work in their lives. And um, I, I love your connection with, with communion of how the two become one flesh and then kind of sharing with, you know, God, you know, Jesus saying, you know, this is my body as well, you know, and kind of really cementing that relationship in that way. We just thank you for listening with us together today and um, our hope that you could take away a number of special things and maybe new ways of thinking about um, your own um, experiences or what experiences you hope to have um, or you've seen in, in the lives of others. And we sincerely look forward to our next episode.